Face the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast is sponsored by fine people like Jeffrey Eberting. This is Face the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast. End of the Road, the Idol Race. There was peace and quiet for me Down the walk beside the sea What's that song all about? End of the Road was released as a single by the Idol Race in June 1968 and was a closing track on their first album, The Birthday Party, which came out three months later. An unknown author wrote in a 1968 British article, Radio 1 has solidly played End of the Road, the group's third and potentially most successful single, and they've safeguarded their political future by offering half of all royalties on the current single to the Conservative Party. It's a form of protest against the excessive purchase tax on singles, which are after all the main source of pleasure for a lot of kids, says Dave, and also because we think the conservatives should start commercial radio in this country if they're elected. In 1989, Gill wrote in Face the Music fanzine number six, The pleasant tune belied the lyric, chimes evolved the turning of time, and a whistled middle eight adds a sort of resigned acceptance that things are going wrong again. It's a going away number, a farewell song, which fitted neatly as the album's closing track. In a February 2010 article at Retro Sellers Digger asked Idol Race drummer Roger Ollie Spencer, on some of the Idol Race tracks, I can hear that sound like you're tapping your fingers against your cheek. Spencer replied, No, that's what they call a skull. I'm playing a skull. Every drummer in the 20s had a set of them. It's like a bean with a slot cut into it, and they come in different sizes for different tones. The song was covered by Yukio Young in 1993, The Tables in 2000, and Jamie Amos in 2010. It is of endings that I wish to speak. Hi, I'm Eric Winsenson. And I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And we've reached the end of the road, even though I think a number of people thought we reached that during the whole time when we were going over Jeff Lynn's two solo albums. I mean, <clears throat> Jeff Lynn's ELO. Yeah, I think some thought we hit the end of the road at the very first episode with the Get to Know Us episode. Ah, uh, that true. Yeah. That, that too. Or the I Hate Out of the Blue episode. <laughs> you hate it. <laughs> I like it. I don't love it. Right. I like it. Yes, I have listened to it again recently, the whole thing in one go, and yeah. And you finally found the enjoyment of Jungle? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> but a song I enjoy much, much, much more than Jungle mm -hmm. is this one by The Idle Race, End of the Road. One thing I have to say, though, this was 68. I mean, the song still sounds 67. I think that was probably the problem at least with the first idol race album is because it sounded like it was a year out of date well it might have been since we've had quite a few idol race singles that were on the album and those singles right. were in 67 this is the first 68 release from the idol race i'm pretty sure so it sounds like they're a little bit behind the time still doing the more whimsical psychedelia but i don't know that's not a bad thing 
I enjoyed it. It was a jaunty little song. I liked the bells in there, and I swore I heard a little bit of, I think it was probably guitar. At first, I thought it was uh, possibly, hey, we got a synthesizer in here, <laughs> and maybe we can get three or four notes out of it. This whole wall that we have of the synthesizer over here. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's see yeah. if we can get about three or four notes out of it and put it on the record. I think it was the guitar. I don't think it was a synthesizer. Well, I wonder if it's a Mellotron, if I'm guessing the right kind of instrument that might be used there. I would think a Mellotron would be a lot more, I mean, yeah, it's, I wouldn't exactly call it portable, but <laughs> uh, compared to an entire room yeah. for some of the old Moogs, um, yeah. yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, it would have been considered a little bit more convenient. Yeah. And Moody Blues were already using Mellotron by 68 because it was a lot more convenient than an entire orchestra. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now, at least the album version, though, ends with the Looney Tunes or something very, very similar to the Looney Tunes theme. <laughs> I have not heard birthday party, so I don't know if they may start the album with something similar before they go into skeleton on the roundabout. I have a few things to say about that little tag at the end there. First of all, where did it come from? I couldn't find anything about where it came from. Is was it in the like music library of the recording studio? Like for the benefit of Mr. Kite on Sgt. Pepper. George Martin just went through the EMI recording archives of Calliope music chopped it up into little bits, threw it up in the air, told the engineer, just tape it all back together as is. Which is why there's all kinds of swirling, weird calliope, some of it backwards, some of it's forward, some of it upside down. And I just wonder if this was laying at the recording studio sound archives and Jeff or the producer or the band said, we should find a place to put that. Because it starts the album with it in a way. There's, there's a jumble of different kind of weird, different musics jumbled and edited together and kind of sounds like ran through a early sampling synthesizer that also includes samples from other songs that are on the album. But once it finishes with that little bit, it jumps into this and then it goes into the first song on the album, which I can't remember right now, but we'll get to it in a few weeks. So it's, it's really early on. Jeff Lynn is doing that thing that he did in ELO a lot, where the, the beginning and the end of side one of On the Third Day have that ocean breakup thing. El Dorado ends with an overture and a finale that connect with each other at the start and the end of the album. Time, the prologue and the epilogue, secret messages with that weird secret message fade in. Then it also fades out at the end of the album. And I like those kind of things because it connects the end of the album with the beginning of the album or the beginning of the album with the end of the album. And I don't know, was this on the single? Because it doesn't make sense if it's on the single. It makes a whole lot more sense if it's at the end of the album. Because it just comes from out of nowhere, which is perfectly fine. I guess if you're going to be in the late 60s doing one of your hippy-dippy, psychedelic kind of song singles, really in 1968 there's nothing stopping you from just throwing in something absolutely random that makes no sense whatsoever to the song. So I wish I knew the history of that. Where did it come from? Why did they use it? I, I don't know. I want to know. There are members of the auto race that are still alive. Call us. Leave a message on the voicemail. It's an American phone number in case you need to dial in a country code. 
850-385-3375. Yeah, it's a decent song. I liked it. I didn't see why you'd put it where it was on the album. Yeah. Because we're going to put an end of the road on the album. You might as well put it at the end of the album. I can see it as a decent single. I wouldn't be surprised that it didn't really do anything, though. Sadly, no. Not a thing. Yeah. Yeah, because I could understand it's not anything near as noticeable as Lemon Tree or Skeleton in the Roundabout. And at that point, probably most radio listeners in the UK are going, oh, this still this is starting to sound a little bit old. <laughs> I adore the song. I've always adored it. I first heard it spring 1986 when a friend found a reissue of Birthday Party and said, here, have this. I know you'll like this. I have no idea what's on it, but enjoy it anyway. I love this song. It's a fun little bouncy song. And I enjoy the happy little chimes that pop in every now and then in the, the Mellotron. And it's got that 1920s British music hall sound there with, that sounds like banging on coconuts, but it's not. And a happy little whistling tune. And the best of all, and all this happy, perky, perky happiness, it's a very depressing little song. Yeah, then you read anyway. the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's just walking around. Oh, everything's going to hell. And oh, this is a terrible day. And I'm just going to skip and whistle along while my whole world falls apart. And I'll see you at the end of the road. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if this guy... Oh, Jeff, Jeff, intervention time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, come back. You still got a whole yeah. lot more stuff to do. Yeah, I don't know what's happening. I don't know if it's just his whole life is collapsing around him and everything's going to hell, or if he's been to several doctors and they all say the same thing. You're dying. You'll be dead by the end of the week if you're lucky. I don't know what's happening to the guy, but it's funny that the worst possible thing is happening to him while he's whistling and singing a happy tune with happy little musicians playing happy little music along with him and clippity-cloppity-cloppity-clop sound and whistling. Well, you should always look on the bright side of life. That's true. So are we going to go into that song now, or have we finished talking about this one? I think we finished talking about this one, so the record's available in the Fourier. Hey, here's a perk that I just thought of now that we're dragging this out. You can't find the First Move album on iTunes or Spotify or streaming anywhere, but there's an entire Idol Race catalog, and this is there. So everybody should go add that to your playlist and enjoy it. Or go find a copy at your record store. But if you play it through Spotify or Apple Music, the people involved with the Idolwares will get a little happy, oh, look, the listening numbers have gone up just a tiny bit. And I've got 0.00000013 cents in my bank account now. They make a tiny bit of money and they can see right there in front of their faces, oh, two or three more people are listening to the Idolwares. <laughs> Got something to say about End of the Road? Then call the telephone line voicemail. 623-850-3375. Call now. Well, hello. This is Troy with my thoughts on End of the Road. I really love this song. It kind of has the sound and feel of a mid 
60s British Invasion Mersey Beach song. Maybe a little bit of a shout out to Mike Sheridan and the Knight Riders. And it also reminds me of a Herman's Hermits song. That is, if Herman's Hermits were talented enough and sophisticated enough to move beyond their usual sound, which I doubt if they were, but if they were, I can see them coming up with this kind of like a transition between their early sound and a later sound, maybe something like what the Beatles did. But of course, like I said, Herman's Hermits were nowhere near that talented or sophisticated. I can also hear echoes of ELO in this song, especially in the production, in the vocal harmonies, and in the way certain parts of the song kind of sneak up on you and take you by surprise. The best example of that is the bell ringing that occurs under the melody. It comes in, I think, around the middle of the song and just, oh, wow. And then it continues right through the end. And as if it were the icing on the cake, I love the closing of the song, the woo-woo-woo vocal harmonies, kind of throwing them back to the Mercy era. So, yeah, this was a great song, and I'll talk to you next week. Face the Music, a pre-ELO song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com and we'll read and reply to it on the show. Keep up to date by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. Subscribe to our YouTube page, the Electric Light Orchestra Podcast Channel, to hear other goodies. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash elopod or PayPal using the podcast's email address or send a check or money order to P.O. Box 1932, Superior, Arizona 85173. Next week, Morning Sunshine. music library of the recording studio like it's not mr frump and the iron lung that other yeah like uh for the benefit of mr kite on sergeant pepper kind of like art garfunkel's getting some pings saying he made money recently <laughs> <laughs> well trying to make art a little happy since history seems to have uh, made him a joke for so long which i'm discovering is needless because in some ways, he's put out much better stuff than Art, and he's put a whole, or than Paul, and he's put out a whole lot more stuff than Paul. So, Art, Art should get some belated love. And we'll end it there. I think now we've finally, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've gone way too far. We've garfunkled. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I forget which, which one. one of us is garfunkle. <laughs>